are listening to the official podcast of The Congregation, a place of discovery with Pastor Tim Story. Good morning, everybody. I cannot believe we have turned four years old. And everybody looks younger. I'm just kidding. I definitely look older. Uh, I'm so excited for today. Uh, Stick around after service, man. Uh, We're going to be doing a a bunch of cool stuff. Have a burger, $5 donations, um, and fellowship. Uh, Today's a special service outside of it being our fourth year anniversary. Uh, We're doing something called the three-peat. Someone say three-peat. And so what that means, you you have three different speakers, but you have three times the power. Someone say power. And so I'll go up first. I'm doing 10 minutes. Pastor Paige will go up second. She does 10. And then Pastor Tim will come up last, and he will do 20. Sound like a good idea? Perfect. So let's get into it. So we've been doing a series called Break, When Biblical Wisdom Guides You Through. And it's really interesting because, you know, we've been going over the idea of break, Pastor Tim, Uh, has spoken amazingly on what it means to have a break in your life uh, and really to set the conditions for a break, uh, which is what I want to talk about today. What does it mean to set the conditions for a break? Someone say, I am a condition setter. Have you ever seen somebody who is just so good at setting a condition for something to happen? Um, I was just watching uh, Letterman's show on Netflix, and he was interviewing Tiffany Haddish, and I, Tiffany Haddish is a comedian, and I really, really like her. I think she's hilarious. And one of the things I did not know, Tiffany Haddish worked for 10 years as a hype woman for different parties. So they would pay her $2,500 to go to different community events, and she would just dance and then get everybody involved. And I was so fascinated by this that, you know, her personality is larger than life, if any of you are fans of hers. And she just has an amazing story. She still lives in the neighborhood that she grew up in. But I was so fascinated about the idea that a person could be a condition setter. You could have a room of 200 people, yet there could be one person who could set the conditions for something great to happen. It's really... Incredible. I remember when I first started as a pastor, uh, man, I was four years ago, I was 26, and we had, we were doing our first baptism ever. And this was the first time I had ever baptized anybody as a pastor. And of course, I was overly nervous. Uh, And we just started. We had only been doing church for about four, five, six months, and we didn't really have a building. We were meeting on Thursday nights, and so we decided to do it at Pastor Tim's house, and so we did it in the back of Pastor Tim's house. He had a pool, and I remember that I was in charge of setting up part of the event because they wanted to give me the experience as the new pastor, and I also remember that I had to speak about what it meant to be baptized, and I was so nervous (laughs) I was so nervous, in fact, that all I did to prepare for it was write my notes. And when I got there, I literally forgot everything I was supposed to do. And so as Pastor Tim and Paige would walk around, they would say, like, is this ready? I'd be like, uh, it's not ready. Is this ready? Ooh, I totally forgot that. 
Finally, I remember we were getting in the pool, and I had forgot to even check if the pool temperature was on, so it was so cold. <laughs> it was 65 degrees outside and must have been 45. <laughs> and I have, we have all these funny photos of Tim was such an amazing sport. You could not tell. He was the first one in. And I remember there was this little cute kid who we were like trying to throw in because it was like a six-year-old who got to be baptized. And I remember he jumped in the water and immediately turned around and ran out of the water. <laughs> and I felt so terrible, like, because I kind of knew it was just me. I didn't do anything I was supposed to do. And, um, but it was still a great thing. We, I spoke and I did seven minutes. For me at that time, that was like doing an hour. It was crazy long and I was super sweaty. And, but I survived and people seemed to like it and hopefully I didn't mess anyone's up, you know, mess anyone's eternity up. So that was good. I felt like I hit all the notes. And, uh, but I remember that at the end of it, man, there was such a crazy presence of God. And it was interesting because everything went wrong, yet God still showed up. And I remember I talked to my dad right after. My dad had been a pastor for a lot of years, and he's watching now. And I told him what had happened, and I said, you know, he asked me, he goes, hey, Stefan, how'd it go? Because, of course, he was a pastor, so he, wanted, he wants me to, you know, he, he was excited that I was doing this. And, and I said, honestly, Dad, it went freaking horrible. <laughs> Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. But I was so amazed at how people still got touched. There was still something so beautiful about the fact that 25 people got baptized today. Amen? And the experience really stuck with me, and, and as I was talking, my dad was encouraging me, and he said something that I, I knew in my soul and my spirit, but sometimes you need someone to remind you of something. You ever had that? And he says, and he told me, he said, always remember, it's Jesus' job to save people. It's not your job. So Jesus does the saving, you do the cooperating. And it made a lot of sense to me at that moment, but... It became one of those things that I thought back to every week of me being a pastor. Have you, have you ever heard a piece of advice? I talk to a lot of people who are business owners. And, like, maybe you have been told a piece of advice that you didn't fully understand, but as you, like, walk through the process of building your business, you begin to realize how true it actually was. We've all had that. Everyone's had a parent who gave you great advice, and you're like, yeah, 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 I intellectually get it, but over the course of your life, it goes in your bones, and you begin to realize like a bigger truth. And the bigger truth I realized was that breaks in life come from good conditions. They don't come from just trying to make it happen. If you, if anyone who's listening to me today, could you just hear one thing? This is, I think if you can really get in your soul, it could change your life. Most good things in life arise. They're not made. Yet, you can set the conditions. And the conditions are directly connected to what comes. You cannot force yourself to love somebody. But you can set the conditions for romance. Right? 
A lot of psychologists, there's a, a psychologist I love named Sean Anker who is known as the Harvard happiness coach and he talks about happiness and, and he does some of the most brilliant research on what it means to be happy and that's one thing he talks about. He says that you cannot force yourself to be happy. If your goal in life is happiness, you cannot achieve it because there's nothing you can do. There's no happiness button you can hit. There's not like a lane in Walmart you can go aisle four that says happiness and it can be purchased. Yet... Happiness is something that arises when certain conditions are met. And so I have found as a pastor that the same thing is true about our spiritual lives. You know, I talk to people every day and they ask me questions like, what is my calling? I feel like God has given me something I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm a parent and I have a family, and I want to make sure my, my kids grow up godly. I don't know what to do. I feel like I have a divine destiny. I feel like I know what it is, but I don't have a, I don't have a path. I don't have a process. And I tell them the same thing that I have learned in my own life. It was the same lesson I learned when I went through my first baptism experience. If you want to find your calling, if you want to manifest that destiny, start by setting conditions. Amen? And what you will find is if you set the right conditions, and we know those conditions. For spiritual development, it's pretty straightforward. It honestly is. It's Acts chapter 2. It's gather together for fellowship, discover God through relationship, Inspire purpose through service. And it's all about empowering others through leadership. And when you begin to set those conditions, what you will find is that the inadequacies in your life, the things you don't know, the things you might feel shame about, the things that you feel will hold you back, really end up not mattering at all. And that was my lesson I learned during my first baptism. It didn't matter that I was 26. It didn't matter that I forgot to turn the pool on. What mattered was that I was willing to be a part of something bigger. I was willing to be under the right pastoral care. I was willing to learn through experience. And I was willing to put myself out there in the best way that I could at where I was at the time, knowing that God will always take what you give, and make it something great. I'm done teaching today. Give the Lord a clap. Welcome up Pastor Paige, our executive pastor. And that's my son. I remember the first conversation that I had with my brother Tim Story. You know, I've been his wingman for over 30 years. And you know, he is my hero. I do have a hero in my life, and Tim Story is my hero. It's true. When the call started in our lives, I was there. Um, it was so funny because we, um, I got just totally on fire for God. I came home and started evangelizing my family. And uh, Tim was the hardest nut to crack. He, uh, he fought me for six months. Um, we had uh, verbal fights, physical fights. Um, and he just told me one day, what is wrong with me? And I said, I think I, you have a calling on your life. 
And uh, so we prayed together, and I remember one night we had such an intervention of God, and it sh God showed up in our living room. And uh, we prayed, and the, we, I told him, I said, I really believe that you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. He says, well, I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian. You've been living like a demon for about 10 years, <laughs> which I was. And he said, I've been going to church. I'm the one faithful. And he says, you know, and then you're coming here like Mother Teresa telling us how to live. So I said, I really do believe that there's been something missing, and we have to have the power of God. And I didn't have the power, but I was so... Um, entrenched in God in, in Florida, and I came home, and I wanted to share with my little brother, Timmy. So one night, we were in a restaurant, and he said, all right, darn it, let's go. I'm going to be baptized right now. Everything you've been saying, you've been practicing the presence, shunga, shunga, I'm going to just follow you. Let's see what happens. So we went to my mom's house. We prayed. We started praying. He got on his knees, put his hands up, and he was just going to say to me, it's not going to happen. I already know him so well. And I said, I want you to just begin to pray. And I said, Father, we just ask that you baptize him in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And that was really a miracle for us. And so the power of God, the presence of God came in my mother's living room. And it touched us so radically that we prayed. And we prayed from 9 o'clock at night till 6 o'clock a.m. in the morning. And in, it was such an encounter with God, and that's how this ministry had started. God told me later to start a Bible study for five years. I had a Bible study. Tim Story was my first guest speaker. The first time that he actually laid hands on people and started praying for people was at my mother's living room, and I was actually the one that was my Bible study. So we continued on. Tim uh, started, and just the world opened up to him. Um, I was absolutely shocked of what God was doing in our lives because we come from dysfunction, we come from domestic violence, um, third generation of alcoholism. But then when the presence of God came into our house, it was absolutely amazing and we were transformed. Somebody say transformed. So there was a transition in our lives, there was a transaction in our lives, and then there was a transformation in our lives. So for 30-plus years, uh, we have been going around the world, and every time we understand, like what Stefan was saying, Pastor Stefan was saying, we did so many things that were so imperfect. Even when we started this church, we didn't really know what we were doing. Come on. We've been in ministry for several years, but we've never pastored a church. But every single time, it was so amazing, God showed up. God shows up in all our imperfections. God shows up. Every time we call upon his name and God shows up for you and your family. So as we continue to walk by faith, not by sight, I'll never forget after this, all this time, I traveled, I did my ministry with my husband. Tim had seven, over 70 countries open up to him around the world. And uh, so we would do things apart. We do projects together. So one day he called me and he said, I have a vision to start a church. He said, I'd like for you to be a part of the church. And I said, oh, no, that's not for me. I'm, I don't want to do that. I said, the market just opened up. I said, I'm an interior designer. I'm going to start a website. I'm going to make a ton of money. I, I said, I'm going to do six figures this year. And so he said, okay. He was very, he was a gentleman about it. And he just kept on with his plans and he kept sharing about this church that he wanted to do called the Congregation Church. Second time he approached me, he asked me again. 
I really would like for you to be on board with the church. You know, would you like to come on and kind of help us with it? Uh, you know, we've been in ministry for so many years. So I said, no, you know, this is just not for me. Um, you know, I still want to do my overseas stuff. And the third time he approached me, he said, what is it going to take for you to help me start this church? And I looked at him, and we were in the garden over at the um, Richard Nixon Library. And I looked at him, and I said, do you really want to do this? I said, do you know how many problems we're going to have? I said, it's so easy to just hit and run. It's so easy just to go to a church, just, you know, deliver a message. Everyone loves you, and then you leave. You have no problems. You know, they pay you. They feed you. They put you in first class. I said, we got to stay. We got to, like, stay and deal with all these people. Do you really want to do this? And I look straight at him, and I go, I'm just coming. I'm in my late 50s. I'm coming in my 60s. I said, I've got to have this thing count, Tim. I said, are you sure you really want to do this? And he looked at me, and he said, don't you trust me? And I said, well, I don't know. <laughs> I said, do you, do you, I know you're a man of God, but do you really want to do this? And he goes, I really feel we're going to do this. I said, okay, I'll give you six months. So I started, we started at, this, at a school down here on Wednesday nights. I'll never forget, I came to a Wednesday night. He goes, you're very good about practice the presence. Why don't you pray for people at the end, and you'll do the altar calls. I'll preach. Stefan will do the announcements. I said, okay, sounds like a plan. And so all the people would come. We'd hear Pastor Tim. I would do the altar call, and then I would pray for people. There was one night where I prayed for a young girl from Newport Beach. I prayed over her. The power of God, the presence of God, the spirit of God hit her so, so hard. She fell to the ground, and she was completely delivered from cocaine, delivered from cocaine in addiction. <laughs> Amen. The second one I prayed for had a Catholic background. She'd never experienced the power of God. She'd never experienced the presence of God. And she came up, and I remember she was just like this shaking. I said, what would you like from God? And she said... I don't know. She said, I just feel something. This is just so amazing. I don't even know what it is. It's some weird vibe, but it's great. And I'm just crying, and I just need something. And so I prayed for her. She actually got so touched. She had such an encounter with God at the school. So I left that night. I drove back to Newport, and I asked God. I couldn't sleep at all last night. And I asked God, what are you doing? What is happening? He said, I have called you to this church. I have called you to come alongside your brother, and I want you to deposit what you've had for the over 30 years. I want you to come to this church. So I'm going to close with this. You don't follow any man. You follow God. Amen. You work alongside people. We can't do this without you. The, the team, the leadership team, the pastoral team, all the volunteers, we are one. We are connected. We are, you, we are united. We cannot do this. This vision is greater than above our own lives. We have no idea where God is taking us, but we know that it's a fantastic call, and we do it together, and I couldn't have never been able to do it without your support. We can't do it without your support. So to say that, I'd like to welcome our senior pastor, Tim Story. Can you give Pastor Page a big clap? Fantastic. Pastor Stefan, great job. Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me 
Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor and has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. And we've all been there brokenhearted. To proclaim freedom for the captives and release prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. That's what I love to do. I love to comfort people who mourn. And provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Beauty instead of ashes. It's possible. The oil of joy instead of mourning. The garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. There's a great exchange that takes place when we come to God. To exchange means to give one thing to a person and they in turn give you something else. The idea of a swap meet started in Canton, Texas in 1873. At that time they used to trade things like horses and cows and they would have these swap meets where they would exchange things. Well, God says that I'm gonna send my son because I love the world and I'm gonna exchange their pain and give them health. I'm gonna exchange their grieving and their despair and I can even give them joy. But I'm gonna take their ashes and I'm gonna make them alive in every area of their life. See, I believe that God can make us alive in every area of our lives. We could be alive in our soul. We could be alive with joy. We could be alive in our minds. We could be alive in our dreams. We could be alive with our children. We could be alive about our vision of the future. I was speaking at a school called Salisbury in Connecticut. Some of you know I was there a couple weeks ago. They call that the number one or number two all-boys school in the world. Oprah Winfrey sent me there to speak to this school. And when I was speaking to the big student body of over 300, I later broke down into several groups of uh, 10, 20, 30 kids. And it was amazing to me that almost every one of them was very excited about the future. They felt very alive about the future. But any of us that are over the age of 20 realize there has been some pain that has come into our life that tried to paralyze us in that place of pain. It could have been this challenge or that challenge or this challenge. We all know about challenges. But God says, I am able to bring beauty. That means I can bring something and make it even more attractive. I can bring life to it, to where people want to behold it again. I could take away your ashes. In the Old Testament, 2 Samuel 1 and 2, talks about ashes were because of mourning. Also, 2 Samuel 13, because of mourning. Joshua 7, 6, ashes were because of mourning, because of loss, because of hardship because of something that was dirty. Somebody pay attention to me. We all have areas of our lives that we are glad 
are not on Google. Are you with me? I remember the first time I read something negative on me on the internet. And um, I thought, holy schmoly guacamole. I thought, I cannot believe that people are allowed to just say stuff that has no truth to it. And then I saw a little bit of truth and then a lot of lies and then a little bit of truth and a lot of lies. And I thought, man, I wish even some of that truth was not on there. But the Bible says that God can take your loss, your hardship, your mourning, your filth. I can take your ashes and I can exchange them for beauty. Some of your lives, it's already happened. I see two people in our congregation that they just had children. Uh, they both had sons, and they're both sitting on the left side over here, okay? And that's something beautiful. And it was funny because at the, at the, at the time that your children were born, I, 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 was, I was witnessing some pain that was going on. I had just done the funeral for Dog the Bounty Hunter's wife, Beth, and then I had come from that and also from a, a man in our congregation passing and other people close to me passing. And then I saw at the same time as the couples that are here and they were showing the beauty of, 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 of new birth. And I, I thought about this. Life is very seasonal, as I taught last week. There's a time to tear and there's a time to mend. And if you're not careful, you'll be so caught up in the time that you've been tearing that you don't pay attention to the time where God is mending you. What if this is your mending season? What if 2019 is still going to be amazing and 2020 is going to be even better and 2021 is going to be amazing? Somebody clap your hands and shout like that's a good possibility. When calamity came, ashes were put on people's head as a sign of mourning. And so let's say... If somebody was going through a very difficult time back in those days, they would literally sprinkle ashes on their head. And what that meant is, I, I, I'm going through a season of mourning. I, I just lost my son, or I, I just lost my daughter, or I just lost my wife, or I'm very, very ill, and, I, and I, have a, I have an illness that does not look like it can turn around. There are some of us that without people even saying it, they put ashes on our family. I guarantee you, there are people that did not think you would make it this far. I guarantee you there are people that thought you would sit in your setback. <laughs> but you did not sit, you did not settle, you did not cement yourself. In fact, while you were feeling the sting of your setback, God was preparing your comeback, and Jesus was about to give you the divine exchange. Somebody clap your hands and shout. Now, what was he going to do? He was going to give you spiritual transition, a spiritual transaction, and a spiritual transformation. The word transition is a very interesting word. 
It means conversion. It means an alteration. So I was Christian, but my sister, Paige, took it like to the deep level. She went to my older sister, Berna's house in Miami, Florida, and got all Jesified, like totally, woo. And she tried to bring that back home. And that's what I bucked up against. I'm like, okay, really, really, Paige, really, Paige, really, party, Paige. My sister at that time was modeling and living in Newport Beach. And my mother, who's in the second row, this is about to be 89. Give her a big clap. My mother's here. My mother used to call her Miss Newport, not beach, but just imagine, Newport. Okay, you get my point? So my sister had her ways, and she used to, like, down my mother's food, like, Mom, I can't eat your Latin tacos because they're greasy. And my mother was like, my mother will flip you off and then pray for you later. <laughs> but Pastor Paige had this transition, a conversion. She had, a, she had an alteration. I want you to hear me. What's happening in your life, is that God has been altering your life from the inside out. And the difficult thing about it sometimes is that we always want to see it with our physical eyes. We want to taste it. We want to hear it. We want to touch it. But if it's all those things and it's not faith, I'm here to tell you that right now in the spirit world, God is altering your life. Now, let me give you a scripture on this transition. Hebrews 11.32, it says that your weaknesses, meaning plural, because we all have weaknesses, are slowly turning to strength. They're slowly turning to strength. You may not be what you want to be, but thank God you're not what you used to be. You made it through the 80s. You made it through the 90s. Come on, somebody. You made it through all the stuff you don't want on Google. Keep on clapping, people. So there's been a spiritual transition, Isaiah 61 talks about. There's also been a spiritual transaction. A lot of us are business people. I'm a businessman. It's an agreement. It's a contract. It's a covenant. See, I don't blame some of you for not liking church because church can be very churchy. And I also think a lot of church people are very judgmental. That's not where Jesus was ever coming from. They tripped on him because he hung out with regular human beings. It's called the Jesus style. And a lot of people say, you know, I don't really do religion, so I'm more into, like, you know, being my own guy and, 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 and rising up on my own. And, and, and that's good, and that's powerful. And you're powerful, and you can do powerful things. I'll tell you why you can do powerful things. Because you are made in the image and the likeness of God. So when Kendrick Lamar says, I got royalty in my DNA, he's really correct. When my friend Kanye West asked me, do you think it's wrong that I sing a song, I am a God? I said, yes. Because you, you are God-like, but you are not a God. You are God-like, 
but you're not a God. Are you with me? He is God. The Bible says, for there is no one like Jehovah. He's Jehovah Jireh, the provider. Jehovah Rapha, the healer. He's Jehovah Sitkanu, the righteous one. These are all Hebrew terms. Clap your hands like God is very powerful. There is no one. Come on, there is no one like the Lord. And I say this in all due respect for the people that invited me that might be watching today. When they asked me to tour with the Dalai Lama and they said, you're going to speak at stadiums of 40 and 50 and 60,000 people. And we have not asked other people. We've asked you, Tim Story, because you connect to human beings. We want you to tour with the Dalai Lama. But they said, but everywhere you go in the press, you got to call him your holiness. And so when I heard this, I said, I have to think about it. They said, why would you think about it when so many people would like to speak with him, but we want you to speak with him? And I said, I have to think about it. And as I was driving around one day, I thought, I can't do it because the Bible says, for there is no one holy. For there is, in all due respect for what the Dalai Lama is doing, this is not a put down on the Dalai Lama. I'm just telling you. The Bible says, for there is no one holy but but the Lord. So I cannot go around calling a woman or a man your holiness when there is no one holy but the Lord. So my point is, is that you can create an amazing life and be anti-God. I've seen it happen. You can create an amazing life being agnostic. I've seen it happen. But what if what you thought was amazing <laughs> was not that amazing at all? What if there's another level of amazing? What if the Bible is true when it says that God can take you from glory to glory to glory, from dimension to dimension to dimension to dimension to dimension? And in the Hebrew, it actually means that God can take you to unlimited dimensions in life that eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither has it even entered into your heart what God has prepared for you because he loves you. Clap your hands. That's what I want to sign up for. Come on, people. That's a transaction. Come on, keep on clapping. That's a transaction I'm signing up for. If there's a God, I want in that transaction. If there's a God who created the universe, I want in that transaction. Do I have skills at this age? Yes, that can get me to some amazing places. I will not deny it. Yes, I do have those skills. But there is a God. Who created the heavens and the earth. That when you get to heaven and you talk to Moses, he's going to say, yo, I put my foot there and the thing parted. Daniel in the lion's den. I'm not going to lie. I was scared just for a second. Come on, somebody. Rahab the harlot. She hid the spies and God transformed her life. David, were you scared when you fought Goliath? Only for a minute. Come on, people. 
These are all people that lived above. They lived above. They lived above. They lived above. They lived above. These are people that had ashes in their life. David had challenges. Rahab had challenges. So powerful. Daniel had challenges. We've had challenges. But he says, I'll take your challenges, you little rascal Tim Story. I'll take your ashes. I'll take your dead things. I'll take even the heritage that you come from, and I'll break curses. I'll reverse curses. I'll break depression off your family. I'll break a spirit of suicide off your family. I'll break a spirit of addiction off your family. Somebody clap your hands and shout like he's super powerful. He said, I will do that. I will do that. He said, I stepped into this planet called Earth. I stepped into the planet called earth and I said the kingdom of heaven is now at hand. John the Baptist said there is a man that is coming that is even greater than me and when he comes, when he shows up there's going to be divine change and that's exactly what happened then and that's what happened now. God is bringing divine change to your life with no limitation. You have no limitation. Somebody clap your hands and shout like you're not limited. You are not limited. You're not limited. I don't think people are catching me. You are not limited. Did you hear what I just said? You look at me. You are not limited. You, you are, you are, you are not limited. Could you imagine that the first time I got turned on to Motown, I was in Pico Rivera, and my, my cousin Raul was playing uh, Smokey Robinson and, and, and Stevie Wonder and, and the Jackson 5. Did, 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 did we know that when we started the church at the grand opening that Smokey Robinson would come and perform for, for the opening of the congregation? Did I know that when Stevie Wonder got his uh, image award that he'd say, I don't want anybody but Tim Story sitting next to me because Tim Story understands the journey? Did I understand that Barry Gordy would mentor me? Did I understand that the vice president of Motown, Suzanne DePass, would be my manager? Somebody pay attention like God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or imagine. Clap your hands. You guys are on today. Come on, people. Come on. I'm trying to take you higher. Spiritual transition, spiritual transaction. It's a transaction. You want all the transaction. You don't want part of the transaction. Are you with me? You want all of the deal. You don't want part of the deal. You want the whole deal. That's what Pastor Paige was trying to do to me. She was saying, I, I, know, I know we got religion, Tim, but I tapped into a side of God that you have not tapped into. I, I, you, need the whole, you need the whole transaction. So powerful. Wow. Spiritual transition, spiritual transaction, spiritual transformation. Holy crap, my life is changing. What is, what is wrong with me that I could be in an amazing hotel in New York and want to just walk around the room and praise God? What is wrong with me? 
When I've got people from different faiths and I'm giving them the book, Jesus Daily, and you guys are watching me from all these different faiths, and you're saying, Tim, I always thought Jesus was a turnoff because his people, man, Tim, try to talk to his people. They judge everybody. What has happened to me? Did I want to worship him? What has happened to me that I want to stand for him? What has happened to me that I sit at the Montage Hotel with a powerful man two weeks ago, and he says, why do I sit with you and I can't stop crying? He said, I feel God coming out of your soul. And I never said a word about God. Shh, I never said a word about God. Now watch, now watch. Because as you draw near to him, he draws near to you. And there's a transformation that starts to take place. The Hebrew term is the word mashach, which means the rubbing off of somebody's soul from soul to soul, spirit to spirit. Oh, God, this is so powerful. See, you have mashached with other people, and they made part of your life suck. It could have been your parents who made the ceiling low. It could have been siblings who made the ceiling low. Pay attention to me. It could be negative people, people who saw everything as terrible. But when you begin to rub off with the great I am, and you draw near to him, and he draws near to you, look at me, something begins to transform on the inside of you that starts to feel more like you. I prophesy to you, in 2020, you're going to feel more like you. You are a queen. You are a king. You are a child of the Most High God. I'm done speaking. Give the Lord a clap and a shout if you heard something. Thanks for listening to the Congregation's podcast. For more information about the congregation, including gathering times, locations, and how you can give and support the community. Check us out online at www.congregationchurch.com.